0: But I want to start today in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. We have uh, no doubt been here before, but I I want to go back and uh, consider something a little bit different than maybe we have looked at in the past. Jeremiah 29, verse number 10, it says this, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and will turn away your captivity and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now I'm going back to verse number 12 and 13. 12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me, Search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. I'm going to talk to you for a little while today and most likely a couple more sessions, but at least today from this thought. Don't let your head get in the way of your heart. Don't let your head get in the way of Of your heart. Now I'm saying that on purpose, and I know that it is exactly opposite of what the world tells you. Uh, It's it's not a typo, it's not, it's on purpose, it's calculated. The world says to us, and, and maybe we've said it don't let your heart get in the way of your head. You ever had kids start dating? Or family members or maybe siblings or friends that you see something they don't see or you know something they don't know and trying to express that to them in warning or just direction and they're, they hear nothing you're saying because their heart is already involved and because their heart is so involved, their head, they're not hearing Anything you say. And I know that. I've said that. I, I understand this. I tell people this. Be really careful because sometimes you get emotionally involved and, and for it just makes us go crazy and we can't see the truth. We're not hearing what people are saying. And then... And then when it comes to, into a crashing end or halt, people come back and say, why didn't somebody tell me? Or why, why didn't I see that? Well, because your heart was already involved. And it was so involved that your head just couldn't change it. So my message today is don't let your head get in the way of your heart. All right? We're going to talk a little bit about this as we turn the whole thing upside down. And everybody say, that sounds great. All right, you may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing uh, while we read some of this uh, text today. Now, there are portions in this scripture and and the passages that we read where people in, in great numbers, maybe you're one of them, people commit to memory portions of the passages that we just read, these four verses, and I think we should do that. I think there are... Things in the scripture that we need to pull out and do what we can to uh, commit them to memory and apply their principles to, to our everyday lives. And, and it's great to know that God does have an expected end for us, that, that there is an expected end. It's not something that is uh, accidental, it's not something that may or may not happen. It is expected by God Almighty. This is the way it will all end. It is a future, and this is what the writer was referencing: is that God has a future and a hope already written into the story of your life. Amen. God has a hope there. He has a future there. Many times we live our lives in. Confront things where where we think tomorrow will never come and we're not sure how it's all going to work out and will there be any hope in this? Yes, according to the Word of God, He has an expected end for His people. Amen. Don't question that. Study it. Memorize it. Put it into your life. And and it may surprise some. Maybe it's a surprise to you that, that no matter how Tumultuous, no matter how chaotic your present is right now, whatever's happening in your specific world, whatever the circumstances are, that God has thoughts of peace for you and not evil. All right? I love those verses. It's it's it, They're wonderful verses. He has thoughts of peace for your life. You may be living in please pardon me, a living hell. And everything around you is nothing but evil and confusion and chaotic and painful and it's full of hurt and disappointment. We can go on and on and on, but God is thinking peace over your life and not just evil, not just challenge, not just problems where you are get a hold of that understand that god is thinking peace about my life now i love this because that means he has a plan for me that no matter what it is right now if, if well i'm struggling and i'm i'm under the gun and i have this situation guess what god has a plan for you that doesn't involve any of that. Amen. God has a plan for you. Remember, He has a future already set and expected Him. He has hope in your tomorrows. And He has a plan for you, even though everything is overwhelming right now. Is there anybody here that would just like to shout yes or thank yeah. you, Jesus? Thank God He has a plan for my life. Even though it feels like everything is just crazy in in the present, at at the moment. I'm thankful that God has plans. Build your lives, Work. Do what you can to build your lives on this truth. Build your life on the truth that God has a plan for you. And that plan most likely is completely different than the reality that you're living in right now. Just hold on long enough for God's plan to come to pass. Hold on long enough for God to go to work in your situation. He has a plan. He's that kind of God. Build on that. God can be found in the most dire of situations. Now... There are many opinions that rise from this portion of Scripture. If you were to go read different scholars and historians and theologians, you would find that there's a debate that goes on and has gone on for generations about uh, the exact years and time that, that Jeremiah was referencing here that the people of God would uh, come back to their home out of Babylonian bondage. People have opinions of when it exactly happened. And and I'm sure that most of us, if we got into it deep enough, we'd have our own uh, uh, opinions also. But here's what I want you to see in it is, is two things. One, no matter when it transpired, God was dealing with people who were in bondage. He was dealing with people, if I can bring it into terms where we relate today, he was dealing with people who were facing difficulties. So we can take the word of God, and I'll give you a little bit of uh, background on this. Who, who, who was being spoken to was the people of Judah, the, the kingdom, the, the divided kingdom of God that had happened Uh, Israel was made up of ten tribes. Judah was made up of two tribes. They set under, in a unified kingdom, three different kings. And at the end of uh, Solomon's reign, there was insurrection that happened. And there was this unnecessary tax that was levied against the people that caused them to rise up and division to come. And ten of the tribes to go together and make up what we know as Israel and two tribes to go together make up Judah. These prophecies and these words are directed toward Judah because it was Judah that ultimately went into Babylonian bondage. You look at those two kingdoms there, you find out that Israel had no godly leadership. They had no one, no king that rose to power and authority followed the plan of God. It was just one bad uh, set of circumstances after another and no real godly leadership there to direct them. Judah, on the other hand had occasionally a king that would rise up and give honor to God and and try to get the people back on track. But, But by and large, all of those 19 kings in both places were evil. There were a few that came along. and So Jeremiah is prophesying to the people that made up Judah and he's telling them, Because of all of this up and down and challenge and disobedience and worshiping other gods and all this stuff that you've been doing, you're going into bondage. And that bondage will last for a certain amount of time. That bondage will last seven decades. So you will be under the control of the Babylonians for 70 years. And this is just the way it's going to happen. You should have thought about some of these things in the past when the warnings were coming and the prophecies were given and God was saying, turn, turn, turn back to me. Get things right. And you refuse to listen. I mean, here's Jeremiah. We know him as the weeping prophet. He's a prophet sent to Judah to warn them, to instruct them, to tell them. And nobody in his 40 years of prophesying. He's 40 years in leadership sent there by God. Nobody listens to him. Nobody converts. No, He has no one that says, I'm going to believe Jeremiah because he's saying what God wants us to hear. They just continue doing their own thing. So he's saying, because of this blatant disrespect and disregard for God, 70 years will be accomplished. Say accomplished. You know, sometimes trials come to us and challenges come to us to accomplish something. They're not just just coming uh, out of the blue. They are there for a reason, and they are there to accomplish something in our life. And he said, "When seventy years have been accomplished at Babylon, God's telling you, I will visit you." So, seventy years is coming—a bondage, difficulty. But I want you to know I'm going to visit you and perform my good word toward you. Not just my good work. See, before His work can ever be done in your life, His word has to be declared over your life. Come on, does it say it or not? Faith coming by, comes by hearing. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. People say, well why do we preach so much? And why do we declare the word? Because the works of God began with the word of God. When the word of God is declared. When the word of God is proclaimed. Then the works of God will be accomplished out of his word. Don't be afraid when someone declares his word over your life or when the word of God is being invested in in your situation because that word will bring about his work. He said, my my word is going to be performed. Amen. I love this because he goes on to explain how it's going to be performed. The way it's going to be performed in verse 10 was, this is it, in causing you, To return to this place. So he's saying to them, here's the way it's going to work out. You're going into bondage. You're going to face a difficulty for 70 years because of what you've done. And when that 70 years has been accomplished, I'm coming to you. And the word that I declare over you will be performed. And this is how it's going to be performed. You're not staying in Babylon you're not staying past 70 years. I'm bringing you back home. I'm bringing you back to this place. Some, see, see, there's a, there's a big difference in how people correct their children. Right? And I've seen this as a pastor. And I've seen this as a parent. Some people correct their kids with no end in mind. Or, real intention in mind of help or rescue. They just correct them because they're mad at them. And there's nothing in the end to say, this is all gonna work out, you're just gonna have to live through the next few moments. They live, some parents live domineering over their kids, being abusive to their kids no no end in sight and kids live up grow up in this environment of hurt and abuse and separation and but true parents like we see with God dealing with his children are this is only going to last a moment and my joy doesn't come from what I have to do here. My joy comes from the fact that when this is over, I'm going to restore you back to where you need to be, that there is an intended or an expected end and there's something positive that will come out of it and not something negative. We don't correct our children just for the sake of Correcting our children. We, we do what we have to do so we can get them where they need to be or where they're supposed to be so they can go forward and, and accomplish what they were put here to accomplish. So we see that with God saying, you're going to Babylon, but let me remind you, you're not staying there. It's only for a little while. And then you're coming home. I'm bringing you back again. I love this because... Here is Judah dealing with this ongoing dilemma but God already has a plan of deliverance for them. Know that about your God. If you're under a pressure right now and you feel like you're suffering right now or you feel like things are difficult right now hold on a little while because God has a plan of bringing you out of that place. God has a purpose in mind. And you're not staying there forever. I don't think there's one person in this building that could say, well, my situation was worse than theirs. Have you been dealing with it 70 years yet? Then it's not worse than theirs. Yours may have been six months or six years. But six months or six years doesn't compare to 70 years. So hold on. God has a plan. And He will work that plan of deliverance in your favor. And somebody shout amen. So there's hope. Hope presented here. Even if you go into Babylon. Or when you go into Babylon. Or challenge or difficulty. You feel helpless. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like there's no way out. Can I tell you that He has a time of redemption already appointed. Before you ever go into it, or while you're in it right now, or if it ever happens to you, face your challenge knowing He has redemption already appointed for you. And He will bring it to pass in His time and in His will. That's the God that we serve. Put your hands together and let's give Him... I'm taking time today because I want to establish this foundation. The next major thing that we see transpire here, it's a point that we shouldn't miss. And it's found kind of highlighted that that God is available. Somebody shout available. God is available. He's available. Meaning He's there. You don't have to wonder about God showing up. He's available. Not only is He available, God is able. God, God is able. He's able to fix the situation. He's able to turn that dilemma around. He's able to bring the miracle or healing or, or whatever. And I, I like it when I, when I really consider this that there have been people in my life who were available but not able. And there have been other people who were able but not available. Okay? There, there's some people that just hang around all the time, but they're not able to do what you need them to do. You love them being there, and you love hanging out with them, but if you had to depend on them to take care of whatever the situation is, they're, they're just not going to do it. They're available, always available, but not able. Right? And then on the other side, you have people that are able, but you never can catch up with them. You ne- they're never, they're, they're able, but they're not available. They're, they're, they're busy. well, I, I can you help me with this? Can you do that? You know they can handle it, but they never have time for you. They never can be there for you. They're just never available. And it's frustrating when you have able people that are unavailable. And it's frustrating when you have available people that are unable. But it's a unique combination when you get both of them together. You have someone that is able and someone that is available. When you get that combination together, wow. Why is it that we always want the things we can't have? <laughs> you know, they're able. Maybe it's your love life. I know it's not February, it's not Valentine's, we're not talking about marriage, but maybe it's your love life. They're able to bring you the happiness that you think you need, but they're just not available for you. <laughs> you, you know, I just wish, I mean, I, I see them on social media. Well, they, they, you know, they're in Hollywood, and you, you're in Aurora, and they there's just <laughs> your worlds are not going to collide. And I just, uh, I'm not even gonna say what I just thought. <laughs> I don't want to incriminate anybody. <laughs> Then there's other people that are available. I mean, they're just like a little puppy dog. Always, they're just there for you. But you just can't, you just can't do what I need you to do. So what are you doing hanging around here? But if you get both of God is available and he's able at the same time to move in your situation. You're not calling on a God that can't handle it. He can handle it. And He's not very far, the Bible said, from any one of us. He is available to us. I, I, I love this about our God. And so there is, there is, there's this hope, you know, that, that's given to us that we've been talking about going through a few verses here. And so He's available and He can be reached in the midst of our challenge. Have you ever known people that when things get tough, you can't find them? I mean, they're good. They're there when everything's good. But as soon as everything starts going bad, you can't find them. They don't, re- they don't respond. They, they're, they're text. They forgot how to text. And they don't know how to answer the phone. And I mean, they, you, you stop by their house and you see the blinds open. They're looking, and nobody, I mean, it's dead quiet. You hear the dogs quieting down all of a sudden, and the kids, shh, 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 shh. pastors, shh, 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 <laughs> shh. Babe, how many times has that happened? And we just laugh. We just laugh, because you know they're home. <laughs> but when they see you, they're like, no way, not today, not, not going to happen. So they, they, they can't be found. When things get tough. But we have a God that when things get difficult, He shows up. He doesn't run out. He doesn't... The story of, 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 of the three young men that are thrown into a fiery furnace. They're thrown into the midst of the fire because they were standing when. The demand was to bow. And they said, we're not bowing to an image. We serve a higher power. And Well, you're going to die. You're going in the furnace. Well, God is able. He's able to do it. If He chooses to do it or not, that's up to Him. He's still able. We're not bowing. They're thrown in. And and, and the testimony was, didn't we just throw three in? For lo, I see four walking in the fire. God doesn't run when your situation gets tough. When it's challenging, He doesn't hide behind the blinds. He doesn't lock the door and ignore the call. He is right there in the midst of the challenge with you. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. He will be found. He's there. He's there. He is there. And so he does it. When, when, when the low places of life come, you'll find him standing right there. Huh? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It gets low. You don't have to be by yourself. It gets challenging. You don't have to be by yourself. It's difficult. You don't have to be by yourself. God loves you, cares about you, and is on your side. So they 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 were in Babylon. And I want to go to this because here is here's where I really feel God pushing me. Verse 12 then then shall ye call upon me. Where? In Babylon. In bondage, in challenge, in sickness, in difficulty. In the things that that are overwhelming you. Call on me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. God does, sometimes we think you have to get right and you have to get good and you have to figure everything out before God will show up. That's that's completely wrong. God will come to you when everything's wrong in your life, when everything's upside down, when everything's out of control. He's not waiting for you to get everything right and then he he sweeps in. He's waiting for you just to call. He's waiting for you just to pray. He's waiting for you just to reach out. I I I thought of this earlier and and maybe you can relate to it, but. Back in the day, I don't even know if this still happens, but back in the day, maybe, maybe you had a family member or or friend or someone you knew. There's folks in here that they don't even know what a collect call is. <laughs> but if you ever had a loved one, a family member, a friend, or somebody that ended up in jail, yeah. then, you <laughs> then, then you found out what a collect call was. Now, we're not talking about $1,000. We're talking about like 10 cents, like 20, 25 cents. Hey, <laughs> I need some help. What? They're locked up, challenged, bound, in bondage, if you will, and you're outside, like at home, chilling. <laughs> and the phone rings, and you get this message where well, you would accept a Collect call, blah, 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 incoming call from Aurora, blah, 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 or Douglas County. And you're like, oh, hello, honey. <laughs> yes, I'll accept it. What What is that? They are in a difficult place, and they're reaching out. They're calling to someone that can intervene. You know, maybe, all right, I've had family members, and, and I've had people that, that I've known and pastored and family members of people in the church end up there and call pastor. I don't want to tell my husband. I don't want to tell my parents that I'm here. Will you come? I've, I've had all those kind of calls. And then I've had complete strangers call us. Like they know us, you know, and I'm supposed to run to their rescue. And they're calling because they believe that you can do something about their situation. You may not be able to get them out. Most of the time they didn't say, hey, can you get me out of here? Most of the time they said, hey, can you put some money in my account? Because they knew they had a sentence of a certain amount of time. I'm here for 30 days. Judah knew they were there 70 years. You can do whatever you want, but 70 years will be accomplished. So sometimes they call and say, I need some ramen noodles, or I I need some uh, hand sanitizer, or I need some whatever it may be. And, and, you know, sometimes I need some smokes or whatever it may be. I've had all kinds of stuff come to me. Can you put something on my account? I just need calling. Calling for someone outside of their situation to intervene. He's saying to them, there's coming a time when you will call. Call. You will reach out. You will pray. And he said, I'll hearken. I'll take the call. I know, I know it's a collect call. I know all this is going to be on me but I'll take the call because you're my child. I'll take the call because I know you've made a mistake, but you don't want to stay in the mistake. I, I, I'll i take the call because I know it's a momentary setback, but I'm not going to give up on you. I'll take the call. Thank God who takes our call when things are not always great in our life. i got to hurry along here. He said... Then shall ye call upon me. Ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Somebody shout heart. Heart. So in Babylon, here's the instructions: Call me. Seek me. Pray. Reach out to me. And do that with all of your heart. He didn't say do that because all of a sudden you decided you made a decision that you're going to be better. I love decisions that help people to do things right. But if your heart doesn't get involved that decision can go quickly. He didn't say you make your mind up, you've learned your lesson, and then you can... He said, I want you to come after me with your heart. All of your heart. Every, he, he said, I want change that starts down deep inside. I, I don't want something... Don't, don't let this get in the way of this. Don't. Well, I think I need to do better. I think I need to get back to church. Think it all you want, but until you fall in love with getting back to church, until you get your heart involved with it, you're never you you have to you have to get your head out of the way. Don't let your head get in the way of your heart. He's saying, "Come after me with all of your heart and you will find that I'll be right there. I'll show up." Too many people are trying to figure it out, reason it out, decide it out. Tell me more, counsel with me more, give me more evidence, show me there. Get the encyclopedias out, get all the history books out, go through it all. And he's saying, you need to start with it happening here before it ever gets here. Too many people are coming to God with just a mental ascent and not a heart approach. Mentally, it looks right. They make a decision, oh yeah, and it's all right here. And he said, I'm looking for your heart I want to know where your heart is in all of this. Don't let your head get in the way of your heart. Some people are not where they need to be in God right now because they're trying to figure it out and question it out and reason it out and find the right answer and go through enough. Start here. Start in your heart. Let it begin in... You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, and and I'm in no way taking this out of context... The Bible said that the letter killeth, yeah. but the spirit maketh alive. Yeah. Yeah. See, you can never even begin to understand this. And there's example after example. One, one example is the Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading Isaiah. He's reading, trying to figure out what this means. And Philip, called of God, sees him in a chariot rolling along trying to figure it out. And the Bible says he he catches up and joins himself to the chariot. And uh, he he asked the eunuch, do you know what you're reading? Do you know what you're doing? And he said, man, how do I? I don't know all this unless somebody brings revelation to me. See, you can read this, but until revelation comes... Jesus said this, I mean there's example after example, who do men say that I am? And and his disciples said, well they say that you're a prophet come back from the dead, you're Elias, you're John, you're this, and he said, well that's who they say I am, because they're trying to reason and question it out and figure it out, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus said, flesh and blood. Blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You have a revelation. And so sometimes if you're, we're not careful, we will take the word and try to force it into people's lives and they read it and they don't understand it and they can't figure it out and we're on this side of revelation. It's so easy and it's so clear and it's so plain. How many knows that when you don't have revelation, it's not that clear and easy and plain? But as soon as revelation comes, as soon as the Spirit starts moving in your life, as soon as the Spirit starts quickening in your heart, it's the Spirit that draws. It's not the letter that draws. It's the Spirit of truth that draws. It's still the letter. It's still the truth. It's still viable. But it's brought to you through the hands of the Spirit and through revelation. And when it starts here, all of a sudden, it starts making sense. Okay? we got to be careful about letting our head get in the way of our heart. God is looking for people who engage Him in desperation from their heart. Not just sitting there explaining, explaining, explaining. At some point, you have to seek Him with all of your heart. And when you seek Him with all of your heart, He goes on, and, and, and the verses are, are right there. He says this, Then shall you call on me, go and pray, hearken unto you, seek me, find me, When you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn your captivity I will turn your challenge. I will turn your difficulty. I will turn your bondage. I will turn your sickness. I will turn your addiction. I will turn your pain. I will turn your grief. I will turn your sorrow. I will turn whatever it is. And I will gather you. From all the nations. We know what he was talking about, the gathering of calling his people back to their homeland. And he said, From all the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. So he's saying, wherever you are, it doesn't matter what land or what place or all you have to do is come after me. Not with this, but with this. And when you come after me with this, I will turn whatever situation you're in around. I mean, how many of us would be honest enough to say, I've spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out how I'm going to make it through that doctor's report. I've spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out how I'm going to fix this and work on this situation in that relationship. I've spent... Night after night, laying awake, wondering, where is the money going to come from? How am I ever going to break free from this torment? And we think, well, if I know them, and I visit there, and I connect with that person, and I read this, or I get around that, and we spend all of our time trying to reason it out, figure it out, get it all worked out in our mind, and he's saying to us, just give me. Just give me your heart. And if you give me this, I will set you free from the captivity that you find yourself in. And I will bring you to that place of peace. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. How many knows it works? It works. It works. Come on, get desperate with God. Get desperate with God. Get desperate with Him. Get your heart involved. I'm encouraging you today to let your heart get mixed up in this. Some people say, don't let your heart get involved. Make sure you know, in this thing called Christianity, get your heart involved first. Because if you don't get your heart involved first, the rest of it is going to be overwhelming to you you'll spend your life just in frustration and so i encourage you today that things can change on your behalf when you get your heart involved right. how many would just say yeah i've been tripped up trying to think it through right. uh, uh, yeah i mean it's a it's it's a kind of a just an identifying word that we say oh they're they're tripping what are we saying when they're tripping they're saying we're saying in their mind they're all messed up i mean tripping can take on a whole lot of things maybe in the 70s you tripped on something else but people now trip on on prescribed medication where you used to no i mean people are tripping all the time Thinking just at work stressed and in their marriages stressed and at school stressed and, and, and because everything is going on right here, just confused. And they don't know how to balance it and reason it out and what start here when it comes to God. Right. And and right. the Bible tells us if you will, seek him first. Seek his righteousness. Seek the things of the kingdom. He said, all of this other stuff, it's going to work out. It's going to be taken care of. But I've seen way too many people of late that are trying to just get it all done right here. Your experience with God has to go beyond this. Don't let this get in the way of this. Start here. And when you start here, all of this will begin to find you its place in your life and under the authority of His Spirit and the revelations that He will bring into your life. Anybody feel like stepping out from where you are and come and stand with me for a moment?